When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we got a little bit of Sabres news before we get into an update on the NHL Conference Finals. First and foremost... Rasmus Asplund Selkie watch for 2023 is on as Rasmus Asplund ended up finishing in the top 20 in Selkie voting this year. Patrice Bergeron unsurprisingly ended up walking away with the award, winning his fifth Selkie. However, Rasmus Asplund ended up getting a third place vote and two fourth place votes. The third place vote came from a writer out of St. Louis. And again, really great news for Aspen. He comes in 19th overall in Selkie voting. I know, you know, when it comes to this, a lot of guys can just end up being on the list uh, just because, you know, they may get one fifth place vote or something like that. But I think it's pretty remarkable that he was able to pull a third place vote out of this. And it's not even from somebody out of his home market. On top of that, I think that also too, the other thing that I noticed is going through this list, there were some guys who were higher up on the list that I thought, I mean, his defensive impacts definitely were better by most models. Namely, I mean, I know, you know, our friends from Evolving Wild, their model in general was very high on his defensive impact for the Sabres. And especially in terms of his, you know, expected goals against average. I I mean, I believe he was a top five in the NHL this year for forwards who had played whatever their threshold that they count for guys who were um, counted in that stat. So to me, I mean, this is great that he's able to finish in 19th. And I think that if anything, it kind of puts him on the map a little bit more. Now, more people are aware of him and his strong defensive play. And who knows, maybe he ends up getting in the top 15 next year. But what are your thoughts on this, Taylor? Do you have any takeaways from Asplund finishing 19th in Selkie voting? Yeah, I think, well, I guess, I guess the main thing is that's interesting about it is Selkie seems to be more so than most awards, a career achievement award or based on what we've done in the past. Uh, like, for example, it took Barkov years to be able to get real Selkie votes, and I think he won two or three years ago. But it took a while, same with, like, Couturier. Mm-hmm. And Bergeron deserved it this year, so it's not like, oh, they're giving it to this guy because he's had so many good years in the past. So it does take a little while to work your way up. But, yeah, that says a lot uh, about Asplund, that he's already got guys noticing uh, the kind of uh, play he – I guess the kind of – way he plays in his own zone like we've said before he's not a very dangerous player in the offensive zone but yeah he's he makes things hard on pretty much everyone he plays against so it's pretty cool that he he got some love and also worth pointing out sam reinhardt got a fourth place vote our old friend and evan rodriguez got a fifth place vote good for sam reinhardt and evan rodriguez but more so for sam i i think though also the other thing that is important to bring up and i'm pretty sure we've talked about this on here but I think more and more now, especially now as we're starting to get guys ballots being released publicly for how people voted, the the criteria for the award, I think there's some definite questions to be asked about it, because when it comes down to it, the award is listed as the forward who best excels at the defensive aspects of the game. But in reality, it's a two way award. 
it's not just about defensive play because if that was the case, then Aspen would be higher up on the list. You know, I think that the, the, there needs to be a, a significant two-way punch there for a guy to actually be legitimately considered for the award. I mean, if you look at it every year, it's all guys obviously who are fine defensive players in their own, like fine defensive players, great in their own zone. Don't get me wrong, but it's not somebody who's, you know, a third line lockdown center or something like that. Like these are top of the lineup guys by and large who end up winning this award and the ones who are also, you know, in contention for this award every year. So there needs to be production there. And so, you know, while it would be great, and I think it's definitely fair to expect that maybe, you know, this is going to just be the start of something for Asplund where maybe he, you know, continues to improve. He continues to get more notoriety in his defensive game. Something that will ultimately hold him back, I think, is his offensive upside. Because again, the guys who are finishing towards the top here, like it's a two-way award rather than a defensive award. And I think that that, even though that the, the award is labeled as such, it's a little bit, it's a little bit misleading. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For example, I'm looking at someone who's had some of the best uh, defensive numbers of late, another former Sabre, Marcus Foligno. He, before this season, had never had 30 points in a season. Uh, He was 11th in Selkie voting last year. A few years ago, he was 24th uh, because even though he might have had the best defensive play, he just never had any kind of reasonable success. So this season, he Definitely kind of a shooting bender. He shot 23 and a half percent and scored 23 goals at 42 points, his career high by far in both departments. And he had his best Selkie finish, which was ninth place. And then another, another former saver, great example, Ryan O'Reilly. O'Reilly's gotten the Selkie before and he's gotten love because he also puts up 60 or 70 points a year. It's almost like you might, you might even agree with this too, Brennan. You have to be in a certain range because Crosby never got real Selkie love, even though he, he wasn't Bergeron level good, but he he was a guy that should have been probably top five or six most years, and especially in his prime. It's almost like he scored too many points. I was going to say, is the like point you're Polino making that you, don't score enough? Right, so is the point you're making that, in a sense, that some players are too good offensively to be considered for Selkie candidates? Yeah, while others are not good enough offensively. Right. The interesting one is Fedorov, because Fedorov – was awesome on offense. He was second in the league in scoring and one, but I think that was probably a case where it's like, this guy's so incredible. It can't be denied. I would say in the, in the, I don't know, post lockout NHL, it's, you saw Bergeron, Taze and Kopitar win a lot. And, you know, they, those were kind of the top three for a little while. And all of those guys are in the same vein of really good, great, great two-way guys. They've all been the number one center on cup winning teams, but none of them really would blow you away with their offense. They do blow you away with their defense, but their offense is still good. They could put up between 60 and 80 points. Mm-hmm. And I think Taze, unfortunately with his issues, his career is being cut a little bit more short, but yeah, I think Kobatar is like, there's almost like a range like Bergeron feels like he hasn't aged at all. Yeah. Uh, whereas Kopitar, I would put like in the middle, he's aged pretty well. And then Taze, due to circumstances beyond his control, has not. But those are the Selkie guys of the like 2008, well, like 2010 to 17 era. But yeah, it is a, it is a weird thing. Cause like you said, it's supposed to be the award for the best defensive forward. A guy could have zero points. 
and still be the best defensive forward, right? Yeah, or you could be like Fedorov and have 120. But I can't think of another example where someone – it's really Fedorov and Datsuk, I guess. Only Red Wings can score a lot of points and win the Selkie. Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. Well, and even like a guy on the list right now, and granted I'm not going to – because I haven't looked into his impacts a ton, but just going off of reputation, like is, is Mitch Marner a better defensive player than Rasmus Asplund? Mm. Seems a little sus. Where's Mitch Marner on the list? I'm I, hold on. I have like top here. fifteen, man. Oof, man. Matthews and Marner, huh? On the same list? I gotta say, probably not. They probably do not have two of the best sixteen defensive forwards on the same line. Okay, Marner was sixteen. Marner, yeah. Marner was six. Zibanejad was fifteen. Aho is fourteen. Michael Backlund ends up getting thirteen. Marshawn twelve. Jordan Stahl eleven. Matthews ten. Felino nine, Deneau eight, Erickson X seven, Kopitar six, Sorelli five, ROR four, Barkov three, Elias Lindholm. I think he's actually a bit of a surprise, just again, given that he's outside of that usual mold of guys, but he comes in second behind Bergeron, who finished in first with 160 first place votes. Yeah, I don't, I'm surprised to see Lindholm there too. I don't know what he's doing there. I think in some ways, are they just trying to reward Calgary for having a good season? Could be because Johnny be. Johnny Gaudreau is on here. Johnny Gaudreau got a fourth. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Also, who thought he was? I'm because I'm looking at the bottom list. Who gave Jesse Puyarvi a vote? That's ridiculous. Also, Jesper Fast. I don't know if he should be ahead of Asplund either. And Mason Marshman. I mean, Mason Marshman's a good two way. But again, like, I don't know. Mm. God, some of these are ridiculous. Yeah. I'm I'm very surprised by some of these for sure. Your boy Rupins is right behind. Uh, well, I know. I mean, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. So that's what do you... funny. Yeah. <laughs> of course, he's on there. He's going to probably win the award next year. Man, you know what? I miss the NHL awards. I wish they wouldn't do it this way. Mm. I wish they'd go back to that. I know. Yeah, where they just like release them over Twitter, pretty much. Yeah, it sucks. Also, I'm going to have to defend someone based on the point I made about scoring too much to be a selkie winner uh marner belongs nowhere near this but matthews probably is higher than 10 yeah i would agree for sure yeah he's that's basically he's gonna have the problem crosby had where it's just like well how good a defense could it be he scored 60 goals i also feel like you know who's another guy that i think has like not like the same obviously but he fits into a particular mold of guy Anthony Sorelli, I feel like, is always going to be somebody who's going to finish in, like, the top six, maybe, top five or six, mm-hmm. but is never going to actually win the award. Like, every year he's going to be there, but he's just never going to win. Damn, that's not nice. Well, no, I don't you know mean that. He's going to – Oh, to he's an incredible player. I don't want to make that seem as though I'm, like, discrediting his defense, his play at all, because I think Sorelli is fantastic. I think we talked about him – a couple weeks ago as a potential, like if the Sabres could get wild and take advantage of, you know, the lightning being cap strapped a bit here, like, yeah, Sorelli is amazing. Sorelli could be on any team and he would be great. Any team would be lucky to have a guy like that. I just don't know if playing behind some of the guys that he plays behind and playing on the team that he plays on, like is Tampa ever going to be considered to be like a stout defensive team? I don't think so. I mean, he has, arguably the best goalie in the world. He's playing behind Stamkos. There's Kucherov there. The team is incredibly deep. And again, that's not said to discredit Sorelli, but more so from like an optics perspective. I don't know if I could ever see Sorelli winning the award. Even, I mean, and who knows? Like obviously if he, if he pops off and turns into like Andre Barkov, 
or Alexandra, Jesus. If he turns into Barkov, like that's one thing, but I just don't know if the kind of player that he is right now and just his situation, if he's ever going to be a guy that's going to get over the hump of being in like the top five. And not that that's a bad thing, because it's obviously a great honor to be that high regularly, but I feel like Sorelli just feels like one of those guys that he's never going to get over the hump, but he's always going to be known as a great two-way player. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I just think long-term, if he's there long enough, especially if they stay good, he'll just win a legacy award at some point. Yeah, that's fair, too. That's fair, too. Definitely fair. Well, there's a little bit of other Sabres news, Taylor. The NHL scouting combine has gotten underway here in Buffalo, and the Sabres have met with a handful of players, some of which we've talked about, some of which we have not talked about yet. But the list continues to get updated. So the guys who we're going to be mentioning here now, this could change throughout the weekend as it goes on, as the combine is going to be continuing, I believe, through the rest of this week, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. So uh, this is actually going off of uh, a tweet that I had come across from the account, not Danny Briere. I believe we follow them. I'm pretty sure. At least it's just I'm familiar. I see the account all the time. But anyways, though, he, they, I should say, not he, they have said that the Sabres have met with Frank Nazar, Cutter Gauthier, Rudder McGordy, Jimmy Snuggerud, Brad Lambert, Noah Warren, Marco Casper, hell yeah, uh, Leon Bichel, Jack Devine, Pavel Mintikov, um, uh, Pavel Mintikov, Philip Massar, and then somebody had responded that they've also met with Coolidge and Pickering as well. So good news for us, handful of guys on that list that we've been talking about, namely Frank Nazar at the top of the list. Also, too, we had mentioned last episode, Jimmy Snuggerud as an option, Brad Lambert, somebody who we've talked about as a possibility at 16. Obviously, Marco Casper, I'm really high on and would love if the Sabres are able to somehow nab him at 16 if possible. So looking promising, the Sabres are meeting with good guys. But I think more than anything, too, you know, this speaks to the fact that at nine and at 16, both the times that we've talked about, potential options there I've named like three four or five guys that I think would make sense at both of those spots and you know once we get a little bit closer I think it'll be good on for zeroing in on guys but just generally speaking I think with this draft that position from you know we'll say like eight to like 20 there's a lot of guys who conceivably can go in that range that would make sense who are going to end up getting maybe some of which maybe end up getting pushed back a little bit later in the first round, but the Sabres at both nine and 16 are probably going to have the pick of like five or so really good guys that you can conceivably make a case for at that pick. Like I think as compared, and we'll see, you know, obviously a lot of this depends on, as we've been saying, how the board ends up falling, but one of the things that I think is so great about this draft being as wide open as it is, is that when they're on the clock, like I don't think that there is going to more so at 16 than nine, because if somebody falls at nine, that's one thing, but even still, if the board falls, how people are predicting it will either way, both of those picks, the Sabres are going to be able to choose from a handful of really good guys that you could conceivably make a case from, and that there's not going to necessarily be like a slam dunk pick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Makes sense. Something to look forward to with the draft. But yeah, that's the updated list as of right now. We'll make sure we check back in on Thursday on that and see if any other names are mentioned there. Um, Some of the other ones too, that are just coming to mind of guys who we've talked about that could be potential good picks for the Sabres in those two spots. Um, 
Jonathan Lekarmaki out of uh, the SHL. Uh, on top of that, too, Danil Yurov out of Russia is a guy we've been saying. I mean, at the top of the draft, too, for some of our best-case scenario options at eight or at nine that we've talked about, Matthew Savoy and Joaquin Kemmel. It'll be interesting to see if the Sabres end up talking to them. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty happy with this list so far, so I'm looking forward to seeing who else they end up meeting with. But, again, everybody, get aboard the Marco Casper at 16 train <laughs> because we're not slowing down. They got to do it. I think that will be a slam dunk if he ends up being there for them at that pick. So fingers crossed. I'd like to have a guy named Casper on the team. That'd be really cool. Think of all the memes. Think of the great social media opportunities we'd be able to have with a guy whose name is Casper. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Get Christina Ricci at games. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Every time he scores, they could just play sound bites from the movies. (laughs) So before we talk about anything else, let's hear a word from our sponsor at DraftKings. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, is an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. All right. right, We're back. We're back. Uh, So the next time we talk, the Stanley Cup could be decided. The the matchup, I should say. The Stanley Cup matchup could be decided uh, because the Oilers are now down 3-0 to Colorado after Saturday night's win for the Avalanche. And the other series, though, I'm going to guess it won't be. It could be, but I'm going to guess it, it may not be decided by the next time we talk uh, because the Lightning cut their deficit to 2-1 to one today, a late goal by Andre Palat. So starting with, I guess, the Avalanche and Oilers, do you, do you think that one's over? Yes, 100%. Yeah, I kind of agree. It's been remarkable what McDavid's been able to do this postseason, and I think that in general it's great for the overall outlook in Edmonton. I think it also probably, you know, makes it a little bit clear where they need to have upgrade, where they need to make upgrades this off season for them to retool and come back. Um, I think that if Edmonton had ended up getting knocked out in the first round, maybe even in the second round, but especially in the first round, boy, people in Edmonton would be singing a much different tune. And I think that there'd be a lot of worry about the situation there. So good for them for getting this finals run at the same time. It's a little bit of a bummer, no disrespect to the Oilers, but I would really love for Connor McDavid to be playing in a, in a better market for the best player in hockey. You know, it would be, crazy. Yeah. but again, you know, I, I think that if McDavid is able, if, if Edmonton is able to make some of these upgrades, you know, especially in net on their blue line, get a little bit more forward depth and they come back next year, you know, if we just get every year McDavid dragging them through the playoffs to the point when he inevitably ends up winning a cup, I think that that's going to be great for his own personal brand and just his general standing. I mean, it's undeniable that he's the best player in the world right now, but it'll be great when the day comes that he eventually is able to 
win a Stanley Cup because I don't think that there's any doubt that a player of his talent at some point in his career is going to be denied of that. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he with uh, the game on Saturday, he got up to 30 points uh, in his let's see or what was that that was there so it's game three of the western conference finals that is 15 total games he's averaging exactly two points per game this far into the playoffs which is pretty wild and like we said before the record for the post lockout era and really since the beginning of the what we, we call the dead puck era melkin's 36 points in 2009 is the gold standard and if if this was a competitive series I mean, McDavid might have, you know, he might be able to do it before they would even get to the Stanley Cup. Of course, being down 3-0 now, it's only happened four times in NHL history that teams come back from this. I don't see the Oilers changing that, especially because Colorado really is a better team all the way around. Uh, it was, But it was a classic game Saturday night, a classic Mike Smith game, where the Avalanche really, really, really controlled play in that game, especially in the, the final two periods. And Mike Smith would, like, stonewall them, made a bunch of incredible saves. And just allowed two of the like dumbest goals you'll ever see. Not quite as dumb as like getting scored on from 200 feet away, but like the second and third goals are terrible. Yeah. So, but that's just that's the Mike Smith experience for you. 917 save percentage in the playoffs. And I could say off the top of my head, there's been probably a half dozen or more goals he's allowed that are just like, eesh, NHL uh, goalie should not be allowing those. Well, yeah, I Definitely think we're about to see Colorado in the cup for the first time in 21 years. I mean, well-deserved, I man. Like, we, I think they were probably both of our preseason picks, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I think so. It's time. You know, they are just so clearly the best team left. They were pretty arguably the best team coming into the playoffs, even though Florida, you know, obviously won the President's Trophy. But as we've talked about, this is just the beginning for Florida. Like, they're going to be sticking around, and they're going to be good for a long time long time Colorado you know we you talked very well last episode about their road to getting to this point when they had ended up out of nowhere uh, eclipsing 100 points in 2013-2014 a great season there and then you know you kind of go through the ebbs and flows of being that team where it's like are they ever going to be able to get over the hump you have one of the five best players in the world and Nathan to say the least man yeah (laughs) like they had they had fewer points in the tank savers the one year 16, 17. I think they had 47 points. Crazy. That's insane. Exactly. And so they end up getting to this point, you know, you end up bringing in a guy like Makar, obviously with the third overall pick, which completely just accelerated things for them. And he ended up being obviously way better than anybody even imagined, even with him being a third overall pick. So you add him into the mix and then you make some key offseason additions along the way too. I mean, Nazim Kadri and bringing him in, I mean, he went off this year and you can't undersell even though obviously he's hurt now you can't undersell how important he's been to getting them to this point you end up trading a first for Darcy Kemper and now he's hurt but then again you're so deep that your backup goalie Pavel Frankuz is able to step in there for you and is able to get you to a point now that you have a three nothing lead and are a win away from advancing to the Stanley Cup final so I think that Colorado is the team of destiny and I think that it's I think they're going to do it. I feel really good about it. And that's with or without Kemper for that matter too. Kemper wasn't even that good in the playoffs, honestly. He had a great yeah. regular season, but like he was not good at all against St. Louis and was not good at all in game one before he got hurt. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think on the other end here. So I still think Tampa could win obviously, but Shesterkin, man, still at a nine thirty. He's working his way up. 
a lot of times guys have incredible first rounds and are a little bit less incredible after that. He was all over the place in the first round, but mm-hmm. he's been super good. Um, it's yeah, it's honestly insane how good he's been it, at nine 30 with this kind of like not great defense playing against a better team, three rounds in a row. It's really wild. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, in the East, I mean, as, as good as he has been, like you're saying, you know, you can't count Tampa out until they are completely out of it. And this was such a pivotal game for New York. I mean, to let Tampa not even come back in the series, but like come back and win today after you had a lead on them, you know, Ryan Reeves had made a great point. And I think it was either last night or today, somebody had interviewed him that with a team like Tampa, when you have your foot on their neck, you cannot stop applying pressure. Like, and you just open the door for making this a series again. You go up three nothing on them. There's it's as good as they are. It's very unlikely that just statistically speaking, no matter how good of a team you are, being down three nothing, that you're going to be able to come back like that. And now, mm, I would be worried if I was a Rangers fan. Yes, I would be a little bit too. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share, Taylor? No, I, um, I was just going to say quick, uh, this is this, you know, we're starting to get to crunch time thinking about who the, the Conn Smythe could be this year, depending on who wins. I think the Oilers are, it's very bleak for them right now, but it would be obviously McDavid if they were going to get there. Um, Colorado, I think that's an open question, but is it McCarr at the moment? I think that's probably fair. Yeah. And then the other ones are easy, I think. Shesterkin for sure. And then Vasilevsky or Kucherov? That's tough. I don't know if it – I mean, Vasilevsky was great up until really this series, but – Yeah. That's still up in the air a little bit, I guess. Vasilevsky or Kucherov probably. Right, right. Yeah, I'm I'm – It helps Kucherov that he hasn't won yet, so – Maybe they'd want to do with if third straight cup, they'd want to have a third different con Smythe guy. Maybe that's possible. Yeah, there you go. See. Yeah, no, it's interesting. That's going to be really fun to monitor, I guess, as the rest of these series go on. Like you said, I mean, by the time we end up recording next, I would expect that Edmonton's done, but who knows? Maybe they end up making it, putting a little bit of fight in and make it a, a five or a six game series or something. But um yeah, I'm, I'm very curious for how this East matchup is going to go. And again, like who's going to end up asserting themselves and really stepping up and standing out, you know, to prove that they're worthy of the, of the Conn Smythe once we eventually get to the cup matchup. Yeah. Still haven't seen Morbius, huh? I'm really sorry that uh, the North Park Theater spurned your advances and wouldn't <laughs> listen to all of the emails that you've been sending them. So Morbius was re-released this week. And it only made like $85,000 in the whole country. So it's Morbin time, baby. That's right. It's Morbin time. Actually, I shouldn't say that. That joke is now ruined because Jared Leto played <laughs> on it. So not allowed to make those anymore. Yeah, I saw, man, I don't remember what, what movie it is, but Leto's going to be in a new movie. And I was like, damn, he's just going to keep acting, huh? <laughs> keep giving it a shot. Getting back on that horse. Oh, we All love right, some man. persistence. Good luck, I guess. <laughs> well, do you have any other recommendations that you'd like to, to give? Um, I'm going to recommend 
well, I haven't done it yet, so maybe I should recommend Better Call Saul, which the mid-season finale just happened, so it's going to be coming back. If you fell off of Better Call Saul at some point, you were watching early, and you, you whatever reason you stopped, I would recommend catching up. It's one of the only like long shows like this that I would say you absolutely have to catch up, uh, and especially if you're a Breaking Bad person. In a lot of ways, it's more refined. The story's a little bit different. You know, prequels are inherently limited, but this is still a pretty incredible story hell yeah you've been beating that drum for a while i feel like everybody who watches that show like really really loves it i don't think i've ever met somebody who's been like yeah i've been watching it and it's okay yeah it is really incredible it's 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 been on forever too i mean they've had you know covid created a long pause and also uh there was the whole health situation with the the heart attack and all that with bob odenkirk uh but yeah it's been on since i was in college which is Feels like quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Well, that that sounds lovely, Taylor. I, I can't wait to talk to you on Thursday. Give an update on what's going on at the combine, what's going on in each each of the Western Conference Finals matchups. See if there's any other news or anything else interesting going on that we can talk about. So that uh, that sounds good to me. Do you have any last words you'd like to share with the people before we say goodbye? Uh, it's more. <laughs> No, it's uh, go bandits, go bandits. Indeed. When is game two Saturday? You want to go? Oh, I'm not going to be in here, Colorado. Actually. I'm not even going to be here. Never mind. I'm either am I actually, but okay. Well, I also was not going to go to Colorado for the game. No, that's fair. That is definitely fair. Well, maybe we could try and catch another one. Yeah. Game three. If they, if they don't win the championship on Saturday, they would come back the following Saturday. Okay. Yeah, that'd be cool. Maybe we hit that up if it uh, ends up going to game three, but who knows? Maybe they won't even need it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, bandits. Yes. Oh, bandits. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, make sure you are checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to Straight Up Sabres. Make sure you're going and checking out all of our fellow shows on both platforms and follow them all on social media as well. Speaking of social media, make sure you're following us, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Straight Up Sabres. Keep up with everything that we have going on, everything that we're going to have coming up too throughout the off season. We got some very fun and exciting things planned, including some interviews. We're going to be doing some games, some trivia, a little bit of everything. Maybe we'll do some live tweeting too as we uh, you know continue through these conference finals and into the Stanley Cup. One idea that I did have, Taylor, too, that we should do. What if we wait for Morbius to come out in theaters and we get really drunk and live tweet watching Morbius for the first time together. That's not on, a bad idea on the straight up Sabres account. That's smart. Okay. Maybe we do that then. Hmm. Wow. Much to think about. Well, that's all the more reason that everybody, if you would like to see Taylor and I ruthlessly drunk tweet about Morbius watching it for the first time, follow us on Facebook, <laughs> probably on Twitter actually, but maybe we'll throw some stuff on Instagram. Who knows those Facebook folks. They all like Morbius, so we can't be, we got to be careful with what we say there. I don't think they do. I don't think anyone <laughs> likes Morbius. Well, that may be so, but last but not least, again, make sure you're checking out our sponsor, DraftKings, and using that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday. Everybody have a great start to your week. This has been Straight Up Sabres. <laughs> <laughs>